This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who've haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast as we continue our, our two-part Halloween special. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Stieskull. Guys, how's it going? It's going good. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Ha- For the ha- second ha- week. Happy Halloween. Um, I'm, I'm still recovering um, <laughs> from the last review. I'm still a little peeved, but that's okay because I feel vengeful and i feel like that's a good theme that for really this is review that really is appropriate so last week we looked at and talked extensively probably more than we needed to about <laughs> definitely the, uh, more than we needed to. <laughs> the, the, the disney sunday night feature plural features mr boogity and bride of boogity which are kids kids movies right they're they're made for kids and they came out in the 80s and they were made for tv things for kids i don't know who they're made for and too. and tonight we're going to be looking at uh uh, a film that definitely is not kid friendly, though I guess back when it came out, it probably wouldn't be as as controversial to show your kids this as you know. I don't know. Like I said last week too, I I was like, oh, let's show the kids this one, and my wife was like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I gotta go with uh, agree with Sarah on that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, I saw it when I was. I, a kid, I have but... the plush toy of this particular movie. Yeah, yeah no, I cuddled <laughs> with it every night. Such a comfortable toy. But, but this one is actually uh, it's the first of a series. Um, the the sequels are. I'll say it right now. They, they don't. They don't even even hold hold a flame to to this one at all. Um, the original, as in most cases, is considerably better. But we are going to be looking at the 1988 film directed by Stan Winston, Pumpkinhead. Afraid raising the dead ain't within my power. Be all right. Should I be afraid? It's coming. <laughs> Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks will say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Get Harley. What do you want, Ed Harley? Sad. You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Sad. There's no graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident. It's got to run its course. Now it begins. It begins. It begins. 
gosh, I think yeah. I first saw this one um, sometime in the in the early '90s. You know, video store kind of a thing. I also knew there was a. a, a guy that I was, uh, there was another kid that I was friends with who was a little bit older than me, and I always have that, Eric, you might know what this is like, you always have that friend who's a few years older that shows you shit that you probably shouldn't see when you're a kid when it comes to movies. Yeah, right? I do know about that. Yeah, <laughs> so this was first introduced to me on, on uh, uh, from my friend Todd, um, of course it was a Todd, but, so I guess a brief synopsis here, after a tragic accident, a man conjures up a towering, vengeful demon called Pumpkinhead to destroy a group of unsuspecting teenagers. It's a little more complicated than that, I guess. I mean, that is the basic concept, but you've got yeah, uh, Lance Hendrickson, right, who's who's this dad, Ed Hardly, Ed Harley. Um, uh, and his son live out in kind of the middle of nowhere, and uh, they run a, a convenience store or gas station. And it's definitely got that kind of deliverance Appalachia yeah. uh, type vibe to it. Although one of the confusing things that I, I made note of when I was watching it is like it's got like what exactly is the setting of it? Because it, it very much feels that way with the like the people and kind of the the kind of houses and mm -hmm. um, cu culturally it feels like that. But then there's a lot of deserty kind of scenery mm -hmm. here and there too. So not yeah. sure exactly where it was set. There's um. Yeah, yeah. The so like you get this group of of teenage. I don't know. They're supposed to be teenagers or college or high school. It's yeah. hard to really tell. <laughs> it's uh, the eighties. Probably teenagers, but they're not. You know. Yeah. Twenty eight year old teenagers. Well, I mean, they're asking for beer and they're trying to buy it with, and they're not nervous about it. So I assume twenties. Um, yeah. yeah. And they've right. got their their dirt bikes and they're going camping. Young people. You know, on a young young folk. Young city folk. Really, that's the big thing is that they're city kids. Oh, we don't mm. have to feel bad about their gruesome you know, murders. Coming out there with, with their dirt bikes and yeah, they, loud uh, city music. Kids, those city kids and their dirt bikes. Right. And, and there, there's a, a tragic accident where the, the little boy, um, uh, the, the, the young son, gets gets killed. And yeah. the the dad is, is so distraught over this that he, he goes to kind of the the hillbillies, I guess for lack of a better term, the, the mountain folk, and and talks to this old witch who helps him conjure up this <laughs> uh, vengeance demon can i <laughs> sorry <laughs> when you, you mentioned the hill but i first off i didn't do my homework with this movie i'm gonna be honest they know this you guys don't know this i'm sitting in as a spectator <laughs> like i remember this movie 10 years ago i forgot about the the witch hillbillies so the let, joe let me get this straight the premise is and wasn't wasn't Pumpkinhead's a little special needs? A little no, bit? no, what, what was no. He? Like the little boy, I mean, the little he boy was, Billy, he's he's just kind of a little kid. Who was lives. he just a kid? He's just a kid. Mm -hmm. He's got his dog and he's Maybe helping I'm... his dad around the store and stuff. Yeah, he's got big like thick like big thick glasses. glasses. Like, but but yeah. he doesn't oh. seem like he's any like. You know what it yeah. was? It was one of the sequels. I think they kind of made him. Yes. The, one of the, the sequels, sequel, they made him a special yes. needs kid. In the kid. sequel, it's, it's a okay. special needs child. So yeah. just so you guys know, the premise yeah. in my mind that just ran when Joe said is like, so special needs kid gets murdered by kids. Dad goes to witch hillbillies to turn him into a vengeful demon. All right, let's do it. Yeah, no, no. The, Sorry. The, the original one, Billy's he's just a little boy who's helping his dad around in his shop. You, you get the idea that mom passed away and. They've got their their thing going and it's fine, um, and, and the dad played by Lance Henriksen really turns in a hell of a performance. 
in, in this yeah. one. Yeah, this is being, up at the sells, top of my, my favorite grief. performance of, of Yeah, his. he really sells the grief. Um, and even the other kind of mountain folk that you, you meet, they're... Um, those performances are all really, really good too. Yeah. They actually really end up being pretty sympathetic movie. characters. Like you actually kind of, yeah. Like it's not your typical. Um, it's not deliverance. It's, or, I was gonna say deliverance uh, style. Phobia, uh, redneck Texas Chainsaw Massacre type. They won't fuck me Yeah, they're actually like like. I mean, maybe not fully fledged out characters, but they're they're all very sympathetic characters. Like they're not your backwoods yokel. No um, stereotypes. This is like you're kind of quintessential hardworking people that are just doing their thing, right? And you know, right. very very small communities and just kind of very family based kind of things. But also um, summon demons. But yeah, and then but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that you know. You, like you said, say this you is, say they're innocent. But this is the shit. old the old witch out in the woods. And then, then like one of the things I, I noted like real quickly, um, like right off the bat, is like this is an interesting film because it's a little bit of a slasher movie it's a little bit of a monster movie and it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a like supernatural witch american witch legend kind of it's movie. kind of yeah it um, kind of feels like alien meets jason kind yeah of in a way it, it that would be a very good way to describe it actually yeah um and it's got such a like really promising premise and I, and I feel like the only thing that's wrong with it there's a lot of really great things about this movie the only thing that's wrong with it in the long run is I don't think it ever fully delivers on and, and unfortunately it sounds like the sequels never get there either but fully delivers on its potential like the concept of this movie has like it's very very I don't know it's just a very cool concept yeah um, well and the creature design too is just awesome I mean it's this yeah, like creature foot tall lanky demonic looking creature but it's not your your quintessential like demon horns thing it you can so one of the cool things about the production of this is um the 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 studio approached stan winston about doing creature design and he had so many ideas for it that he said i actually want to go ahead and direct this and this was his first Mm -hmm. director his his directorial debut um and he didn't direct a lot of films i know one of the last films if not the last film he directed was wrong turn yeah, um, yeah. But, but he kind of stayed. What's with him and the hillbillies, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, right. God damn. But but toothless um, wonders of the world. Because he, it worked out really well for the studio because since they had Stan Winston directing, they didn't need to hire a separate special effects team. So they were actually able to get all these effects done uh, pretty cost effectively because he was pretty much you know head of he was directing and everything like that. So they were able to do a lot of that stuff just through him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can definitely tell there's some similarities in the creature design of this and Alien. Um, you know the the shoulders and everything. In fact, if you if you play around on Google Images with you know Pumpkinhead, you'll see some really cool mashups of Alien Xenomorphs and Pumpkinhead, which is kind of cool. I will say, like, <laughs> yeah. definitely for those who don't know, definitely do do so because the design is is incredible it's the yeah. exaggerated features i mm-hmm. think that like add the definitely the shoulders it just looks like if you have like bones that not just like protrude out of the skin in a way like misshapen but go so far beyond like the realm of like possibility it really yeah. he they really exaggerate like 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 similar to like how the the animal sorry let me try this again xenomorphs form kind of shows this hybrid of humanity mixed with alien dna Mm -hmm. in this weird balance 
I would argue that uh, Pumpkinhead does the same in form of, in a, in a demonic sense, like really mutating the corpse of what was once an innocent boy, right? Because they used the well, it's it, not necessarily a a boy. What what the cool thing is with the the mythology of the Pumpkinhead things is, whoever summons the demon, when the, they're tied to the demon so if, if if pumpkin head feels pain the the, the summoner, summoner feels, feels pain, pain. if yeah. one dies the other dies and that's when ed harley mm-hmm. kind of realizes what he's done is too much he didn't want to bring this much death he, he just wanted vengeance but he didn't want all because that wasn't all of these city folks that did this it was one asshole who was being a jerk and even he starts to think all right maybe we should go to the cops but it's too yep. late it, that was one of the things, and, and not to jump right, like not mm-hmm. to cut you off, um, but I, I talked about kind of the the, the characterization of the, the hillbillies or whatever, the rednecks, the, the the general town characters. I just call them all kinds of names when I'm trying to defend them as characters. But you just um, make it worse. I think he did the I think he did the same thing with the uh, teenagers in a lot of ways. Like the script um, treats them a little differently. Like they're not all. I mean, they're not well fleshed out, really. They're a little bit of your stereotypical Friday the Thirteenth throwaway characters. Yeah, but they the don't fact feel like that on, only one of them is a giant jerk that doesn't give a crap about anybody, and the rest of them legitimately want to help <clears throat> and are disturbed by the situation that they're in. Um, gives this movie an interesting, well, maybe a little more realistic, but an interesting. It's, it gives it an interesting position because they're. Um, they are people that are generally undeserving of the vengeance that be- is being reaped upon them. You know, but that's yeah. that's essentially the metaphor of vengeance itself: is that you're so blinded by rage mm. that there's more you're causing more casualties than you are justice. Mm-hmm. And like that's what, from yeah. what I remember, like I said, I saw this a long time ago. But that does stand in this first film, and why I do think I agree that you guys like it is a strong film, and it shows that that weight of vengeance and what if vengeance was an actual form that you could summon to do for you and then you realize the damage it is doing and the innocence that suffer as a result of it yeah and it's very Uh, literal in the movie because it's doing physical damage to ed harley the whole time that he's yeah any damage inflicted on (laughs) right and and it's draining him as well like yeah and it's um but it's that's one of those things where it's just like and then this idea that like you have to take responsibility and stop something that you started and he does so at the end of the movie in the most and massive then, sacrifice kind of way and and once the demon is done and it essentially dies like the demon burns up in flames and whoever the summoner was they kind of shrivel up and the witch will bury them and they're the next pumpkin head the, the next pumpkin head um so and the movie it's a metaphor starts out, it's a really actually, good metaphor the movie starts out um probably what like 30 40 years before mm-hmm. where somebody has summoned the demon and you see ed harley as a little boy in in his little single room home with his family i i get the impression that yeah, this is like ozarks or something yeah and yeah, um, that's what I'm... and and you know, his you've got this guy pounding at the door asking his dad to let him in, and he's like, "No, you know, we don't want any any of any trouble that you've got. You, you got yourself into this mess on your own." And so that you get the impression that's how Ed Hardly knows about this. He does get a glimpse of the monster when he's a child, and it still kind of haunts him a bit. He knows some of the the myths and legends around this area, 
Um, I also want to mention, too, that this is based, or inspired, I should say, by a poem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which, they, part of the poem is, is read in the, or is, is said in the movie. There's some of the some of the mountain folk kids are teasing each other and they start talking about, you know, pumpkin head. Um, and the, the film has a bit of a legacy too, where it's uh, also been the subject of a, a couple of uh, underground mm-hmm. hip hop artists for some reason, which is kind of cool, but also I know a favorite of Eric and my, the, the horror yes. punk band, the misfits and their 1999 release famous monsters have a song called pumpkin head, which pretty yep. much tells which... the whole story of the movie. Yeah, and quotes the Ed Justin poem as well. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there's it, this one actually does have a, a a bit of a place in cinematic history. You know, it's one of those things. Anytime you watch a, a documentary uh, about horror and sci-fi films, uh, especially in the '90s and early 2000s, wherever they had Stan Winston, who unfortunately passed away. Um, yeah, but I mean, this this guy created the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, Predator, Alien. Um, well, kind of with the Alien. Winston Studios and right? Winston Studios, yeah. right? And Pumpkin. There's, mm-hmm. there's always a there's always that shot of Stan Winston talking, and then behind him are his creations. And I love how they Pumpkinhead is almost always there um, because it's something. Like I guess that he directed the film, he designed the creature, and his studio. Put yeah, I was say, he probably holds that one pretty close to his heart. Yeah, yeah, it's his directorial debut, and it was something he felt invested enough in to get you know that heavily involved in it. So. Right, and there's a number of sequels. There's Pumpkinhead Two: Blood Wings that came out in '94, uh, and then two additional sequels. There was Pumpkinhead: Ashes to Ashes and Blood Feud, which were both Sci-Fi Channel. Those are one of the ones that I probably saw. And I think Blood Wings is the one that you were thinking of, though, right? Was it? I think so. It was one of those. No, it's one of those movies I did catch on probably a Sci-Fi Channel that I didn't know what was on at the time, and I just just watched it with commercial interruptions, but. Um, but I did see Pumpkinhead. It was on TV, but it was on like a Stars channel where it sure. was just like I got to watch the whole movie under- interrupted. And that one was just like, holy shit, this head's kind of heavy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. simple story, yeah. right? The first movie here it it's is a very, it's a simple story. It's got kind of a like classic fable esque thing to it because it's you know it's about revenge and it's about witchcraft and it's about summoning a monster and um, so yeah, it's got this kind of almost fairy tale esque. Not, I don't know. Fairy tale is not right, but you some, something set very much in the folk American tale. It's mythology. very folk tale. Very folk tale. Yeah. Folk tale. Yeah. That's what you're getting at. Yep, absolutely. And um, yeah, so I think that works really well about it. Uh, Ryan kind of mentioned earlier how you know Pumpkinhead himself is a personification of vengeance and and the the effect that he has on all of, you know not only the characters that he's out to get but also on Ed Harley himself. Um, yeah, so I think it's a smart movie, but it but it's it's simple in a good way. Um, that it's yeah, it's it's very much it's, set in it, it's folk not mythology, and it's not overly gory. I mean, there's you're, if I was um, able to watch it, it's not overly there, gory. It's, it's got its fair no, amount of no. you know like blood and stuff like that. There's some really one of the things I, I've always that always stays in my mind about <laughs> this movie that's really creepy. Are some of the shots of how dangling people? Yes, the dangling (laughs) when he's up in the tree and he's got this ridiculously long arm and it's palm up and he's holding this girl by the head and she's just he's just dangling. Her head is just kind of inserted between two of his like digits on his hand, giant fingers. Yeah, yep. 
with giant claws and he's just kind of dangling her there so yeah that's probably the creepiest thing and i remember this is another one of those when we always talk about the video store right but this is another one i remember the poster for um maybe it was the video box but i think it was the big poster um this is one again we talked about monster movies and the kind of the way that monster movies work and um like kind of the jaws formula where you wait you know until your last act to reveal your monster and then there's the other type of monster movie that's just you know this is definitely one of those where yeah. i've never i mean this shows the the monster if the full body of the monster within the first few seconds of the film um and he's very much on display throughout the film they don't hide the creature which obviously being a stan winston movie I yeah can um, he never liked his stuff to be hidden <laughs> so yeah, yeah. To add to this to you guys, for me, this movie had its creepiness added to the fact that, for, first off, it, in the movies, the way that this creature hunts is it, it, it it's running through rows of trees in mm-hmm. the forest. Like, for anyone listening who, who, I don't think I've ever mentioned it, but I grew up in a, in, in a wooded area. Like, oh, I, did, right. I didn't have neighbors. Like, mm. I lived okay. out in the middle of nowhere in, like, this nice double-wide trailer. It's just our, my family-owned land, uh, and then we, we got a very small chunk. Um, and <laughs> I would say we kind of do, like, borderline the redneck elements of it. But besides that, but I, I, I'm very well, like, the darkness. I'm very... Mm-hmm used to live in surrounded by dark and you're not near anybody for like a good like half mile so this would have had a big impact if, if every kid, if every fucking this. movie joe yeah because <laughs> i i grew up <laughs> listening to coyotes every night yeah like oh shit mm-hmm. yeah there's actually animals out here that could kill you if they wanted to coyotes given like mm. they're more scared of humans usually that's the lie i was told but <laughs> but in a pack <laughs> they don't care but so yeah with Pumpkinhead, the way he hunted it was so familiar with me. That's something that it was one of the few memories I have of this movie is like the way he just lurked through these yeah. trees that I recognized. And I'm like, holy shit, he could be outside my fucking house right now. Well, Given I was young, so I didn't, I don't think and, I pissed and, anyone and off. And the movements enough. too of, of oh this my God, costume so lanky is really weird. great. This is a kind of long, skinny, lanky, kind of spindly monster. But, and I guess inside it's a juggernaut. the suit. It's essentially it, a juggernaut. Yeah, inside the suit, you've got Tom Woodruff Jr., who went on to also be, you know, he was in the costume in some of the Alien sequels. And, you know, he he's also part of, he was part of Stan Winston Studios, so he could, you know, he understood. Predator 2, I think. Be yeah, I think he was in Predator 2. Yeah. So he, he knew the, the mechanics of the suit and everything, too. And that really, really helps. Um... There's also some some great lines in here. I mean, I mentioned the, uh, you know, when the, the the kids are kind of taunting one of their own because he's being kind of a jerk, and they're like, "You better watch out, or Pumpkinhead's gonna get you." And they mm-hmm. torment him a little bit and circle around him until he's really freaked out. There's also just a line that it's it's a bit over the top, but it works in this kind of folktale thing where when Ed Harley goes back to the witch and he's like, "I I want to undo this. I don't want this to happen," and she's like, "It's too late." I can't undo it. it. It is what it is. You've you've unleashed this thing, and he gets you know very dramatic. He starts yelling, "Damn you, damn you to hell, God damn you!" And she just laughs and goes, "He already has." <laughs> well, that yeah. just one of those little lines that stays with you too. Again, it's a bit over the top, but 
it fits uh, really well in this. It kind of feels like fan- I'll be I'll be as a critic. I'm just gonna say uh, it feels like a Doctor Strange moment where they're like, "Well, shit, they should have mentioned the warning in the beginning." Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, Eric. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say another fantastic moment that um, I remember that sticks out in this movie is there's a point when um, Pumpkinhead off of a corpse picks up a. Uh, a rifle like a hunting rifle yeah and holds it out in front of him like he's going to fire the gun for a second and then proceeds to actually impale somebody with the barrel of the gun rather than actually fire the gun um i I don't know why that always stuck with me but that's something i always remembered from seeing it the first time like just yeah um you know you silly bastard that's not how a gun works (laughs) (laughs) right but like the fact that he just he takes it kind of looks at it Holds it out in front of him and then just stabs the guy through with it, like you know. It's like the dullest bayonet ever. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a. Uh, um, it's got a. It's got a lot of great moments like that. I like uh, another thing I really enjoyed about it was um, that he's referred to oftentimes throughout the film as a demon, but it, it not really. He may not be a demon in quite the classical sense because uh they run into this church thinking they'll be safe this old burned down church because it's holy ground that you know the demon won't be able to enter and it's got literally no effect on him whatsoever no. he just kind of pounds right through it in fact kind of takes some time to desecrate the, uh, yeah the, the, the actually the church itself um and break some of the holy imagery inside of it takes a shit but, right on the altar I, yeah yeah, yeah to, to me that's saying that like he's not necessarily a demon in the classical uh, religious sense you know we talk he's a about personal demon movies he's a personal sense. demon yeah yeah exactly right, yeah. right. something a little deeper than yeah. religion yeah he also um doesn't he like carve something into the girl's forehead or something like that with his claw he scratches yeah. at her and something like it almost looks like he's making the sign of the cross or something like that just more of a mocking kind of way um i mean so they, they really sell that this this is a not just a, a monster of vengeance, but that it really gets joy out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's even some facial expressions that they are able to animatronically do with the the, the suit, where he he's grinning as he's yeah. killing these these uh, these people, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of a nice turn there. You know, in the third act that that. That Harley like realizes he's he's gone too far in in summoning this, and that he he then tries to become he becomes the hero essentially, right? He well, he, 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 he again, realizes that he's about, actually the villain. He realizes that about himself yeah. that he because because Pumpkinhead this. himself is actually slowly resembling him. Yeah, yeah, he's starting. Yeah, affected the yeah, he's yeah the climax of the film. They start to yeah the face uh, Ed Harley's face starts to develop on the on the creature. That's the interesting thing is the creature changes like into he keeps his developing yeah. throughout the the film. Yeah, it's a manifestation of his and, vengeance. And it's funny too and, because yeah. as I was doing some research about this after I watched the movie, and I didn't watch all the sequels on this one, but I do remember that the design changes a bit from movie to movie. Uh, and I was reading on I don't know if it was like comments on IMDb or Reddit or some crap like that, but people were complaining about that, and it's like, well, it's a different. A different summoner corpse every time it's gonna look different you know it's gonna take on these different features and characteristics they went over that in the first movie <laughs> you know that it's it's him um so i don't know why people got upset about that I'm like no i just want to see that creature again well, yeah well this is a different version of it because it's always going to be 
slightly different. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is one that you know I again I saw it when I was you know a kid essentially. Um, again, probably too young, but and, and really <laughs> I don't know. And is you it, wanted to repeat the would process. It, would it be really? Well, then again, I, I grew up watching worse stuff than this, though, when I was younger. Again, not that that was a good thing, necessarily. This, I don't know how bad it was, either. It's not very I mean, gory. The monster effects are, are, are more cool than they are scary. Um, I think the thing that about it that is that I would stop me from showing it to young people is kind of just the general dark message of the movie like i'm not sure that's like the things well you want it to because it it is a movie that tries to take home a serious message of uh, yeah. a vengeance so you want if you're going to show it to somebody you want to show it to somebody who can have the cognitive ability to understand the mess i'd say teenager honestly yeah. like preteen, yeah. if you really want to go that early to teenager like somebody who understands vengeance especially for somebody who can who's maybe dealing with a lot of emotional outbursts, who doesn't quite understand there's a consequence to what you do. Mm -hmm. I, I'd love to know where the um, uh, where the inspiration came for the creature design. Uh, you know, like, so it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> looks, but for it to be this big, giant thing, because you, you could do a movie about a vengeful monster, and it could be human-sized. Or it could be tiny, you know. It could be a bunch of little. I think ones. it's it's about its features being exaggerated. I mean, it's pumpkin head because its head is kind of bulbous, like these ugly pumpkins that are all over the place. And um, like like Ryan was talking about, its shoulder blades are almost yeah. ornamental. At the point, like everything, his claws and the hank long creepy hands, and I think everything's just exaggerated. It's it's bigger and like like he's a personification of vengeance. I think human and, and vengeance. That, yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like that, like it, just, how do you personify anger. vengeance, but keep it kind of well personified, like connected to the person? I think it um, also shows, yeah. you know, they like what you know, take the human form, but then distort it in the way that, like, you know, it's vengeance distorts your mind. I mean, and like you want to be like really on the nose about it, but um, that's got to be something that the, crossed their mind in designing this because it's it's really the crux of the story. Um, well, Eric, yeah, that's, uh, if anything, that's a, well, human, human brains are just so good at recognizing, like, just the smallest details mm -hmm. uh, of a person. Case in point, looking at, like, anything that's an android with a human face, like, the human brain is like, that doesn't look right. The more real you try to make it look, the worse it looks. The more because, disturbing it the looks. The more disturbing yeah. it is. And that's what it is, is, like, when you create something you want to be, like, recognizable, but fucked like well, really and I, and mutated I think, and i think because of you know like we said it's not overly gory and bloody oh. the, mm. the 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 <clears throat> the theme of it is a bit much for little kids and i think also the the creature design is kind of nightmare fuel for kids i mean i would yeah i wouldn't yeah, i wouldn't sure. show like you were saying i don't think i'd show this movie to my kids and be like all right now let's go camping you know <laughs> i i think that might be a bit much I do want to mention kids. also... It's time to go to the Ozarks. Yeah. In the Ozarks. Uh, no campfire. Don't piss anyone off. Yeah. Um, there also... There has been discussion about a reboot of this uh, that was going to be produced by uh, Peter Block, who was the executive producer of Saw. 
Um, okay. The last time anything's really been said about it was two years ago, so back in 2007. Up to now, there's been nothing new brought up about it. There was a, in the 90s, I think this came was, was being pushed a bit uh, when uh, the sequel, uh, Bloodwings, came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Dark Horse comic series of Pumpkinhead called Pumpkinhead, The Rites of Exorcism. And it was uh, supposed to be a four-part. They only got two. And from what I've read, there's some really cool stuff that was happening in that. There was like the possibility of, a, of an actual winged pumpkin head that would have been kind of neat. Um, and then it, just last year, in February of 2018, Dynamite Entertainment published a five-issue series of Pumpkin Head as well. So there's and there was a video game. There was a video game that was not well received in uh, oh, 1995. <laughs> a first-person shooter. Um, I just have to say a comment on that. It's just like there's probably a reason that the sequels didn't do so well, mm-hmm. and why a reboot definitely won't won't work so well because you already have a source material that delivers what it needs to. It definitely delivers the message it needs to to yeah. completion. There's really no need to reboot or sequel this. I know it's just to to appease the fans. Like I want to see wanna... more Pumpkinhead. Maybe throw some wings yeah. on that motherfucker. Yeah. But as a person who's just like, isn't a story just more satisfying and sits with you better? And clearly, seeing that we only are reviewing the first movie. Well, exactly. The sequels are kind of a rehash of the same thing with different characters. And I've I've seen. I've seen the sequels, and they're not anything special. I don't want to say that they're, like, horrible, horrible movies. They're just nothing special. They're, they don't have yeah. the, the charm that this one does. That's I guess that's what I... I I'm a person of substance, yeah. and, like, it's like... I'm not against reboots or sequels. I'm just saying, if you don't have anything to add to a story that really, truly adds to a group of people, then what's the point? Now, I tell you what, if they want to do a reboot... And they can add, like, maybe the Trump-era type people who voted. This I'm going to go into a territory here. Uh, feel free to edit this out if it gets edited out. But I'm just saying, like, an idea of, like, what if you took somebody who is this idea of, like, maybe there's too, piece, too, too much PC, stuff like that, whatever. You get this character that you get an audience is just, like... Who can be like, I want a certain type of vengeance to go against a certain type of people who ties to this demographic. And then realize, like, Hmm. maybe I'm kind of the monster of this movie. Maybe because I'm uncomfortable with trying to learn how different people are. And then, like, just, like, being okay with letting them exist. And maybe my, like... Maybe my disgust with them is maybe out of hand and causing a problem. I'll read the news this week, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, the (laughs) idea of, like, a a movie needs to, like, represent a cultural moment in time. That's why certain old movies still test, like, stand the test of time because they, they have a message that can reach out. But also certain other movies go in the other direction that represent a moment in time. And that's. that's and I think this one does a good job of that. I mean, it. it I would it, like it, agree. It it can stand yeah, I past. Think, I think this one. The reason that this one is so good is that it's such a very simple folk tale that it it works really well. It's not very dated. I mean, yeah, some of the fashion and that kind of stuff is, but the story's not dated. Yeah, um, there's nothing about the story that's ever going to be quote unquote dated. I don't think it's just not that kind of a. It's just it takes place in a certain period of time. Yeah. That's all. Yep. 
But it yeah. could, if they did try to reboot this, they could make it today, and it would be the same movie. There's nothing that would really have to change. They're just trying to yeah. appeal to Which that. It'd be one of those reboots or remakes that would feel pointless, probably, because it would just, you know... There's not much to be improved upon, and not that it's a perfect movie. I think this actually falls short of being a, an all-time classic because of the fact that it's such... Like I said earlier, it's such a great concept, but it, it, it turns a bit into a Friday the 13th movie for a little while in the middle section. It's got a really compelling beginning. I, I feel like it pays off really well at the end. It's got some smart stuff going on in it, and it's a really great kind of, um, you know, fable about vengeance and, and mm-hmm. what it can do to a person or, you know, guilt and grief and vengeance. and um, But yeah, I, I think its downfall is that it kind of turns into a you know ryan mentioned it earlier a jason movie for a little while yeah and not that i don't enjoy those movies i i i you know i like those movies fine but it's it that feels kind of... the, the reason it, this is disappointing is because it feels like it should be so much more than that um I kind so of i think that, that that keeps it from being an all-time favorite yeah but i still think it's effective in a lot of ways so Side sto- side note, sorry, side note. I wanted to say, I wonder if there's like a certain catharsis for people, like, yeah, kill that sex active teen. Like, that's just like a generic example, but you know, there's certain like representations of stereotypes and certain characters who just get bludgeoned to death. And I'm like, I wonder <laughs> if this is a catharsis for the viewer, and like, maybe you should question who you are. Well, <laughs> I mean, hell, if you think about it, that's kind of what the the churches that do the Hell House haunted houses around Halloween. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what they've all been doing anyway is just being like oh yeah if you have premarital sex you're gonna die <laughs> everything's you know very ham-fisted and fire and brimstone and but but this one doesn't just and i see the parallels to to friday the 13th and, and those kind of slashes but i think and and yeah the the whole jason Voorhees backstory is is one of vengeance but this one, because it ties up and it's very specific about, like, now nope, you're summoning it to go after these people, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, Pumpkin doesn't continue to roam the countryside. It's like, once summoned. Does he frolic? I wonder if he frolics with those heels. I don't know. It'd be... Mm. It'd be tough to do Oh, he'd be <laughs> yeah, picking hell some... Of a he's picking some damn dandies, and he's going... There's a cutscene where Pumpkinhead does one hell of a Madison. Let me tell you. No, um, <laughs> no I, I think this one... Want it, to do Broadway, it, ties it, up, it ties itself up really nicely. Um, and, and especially the thing at the at, at the end where you're seeing the witch bury what's left of Ed Harley and you know it shows the little necklace that his son made him and everything and he's mm-hmm. going you know back into the pumpkin patch or he's taking the place and you know that there always she, will be vengeance and yeah, that's what's the most haunting part of an ending well, and also eats somebody and kind of you know leaves just a smoking hulk of a body behind and it's very it, it's it's very effective. It's not very subtle, but it, yeah, it's very effective. It, 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 its, what yeah. it does is it brings home an idea of like, just because somebody learned the lesson doesn't mean the lesson is learned mm-hmm. in society. Yeah, yeah. And it will repeat forever. Well, I, also, I also think in this day and age of like, you know, sprawling series and, and universes and, and and all this stuff. And this it, it's kind of not a point because this does have, you know, three sequels and, and a video game and yada, you know, all this stuff. But I really find super self-contained films to be refreshing sometimes where it's not, yep. you know, it's, it's something that could just be enjoyed all by itself and it doesn't need all that extra 
whatever and, and i realize this actually isn't a good example of that because of all the additional <laughs> movies but, well no just go but off it still the first feels movie. that way like but the, the fact that they, but the fact that they didn't do anything to add to a mythology yeah right. you know it's well there's of, it's, there's a lot of mythology but it just doesn't force itself to be like it, this is this you can you could watch this movie and never and this is actually the way I've, I've never seen any of the extended you know sequels or whatever um but you can watch this movie and just be that's it like it's it works that well um as its own thing it's not it's not a launching pad for something bigger that was not the filmmaker's intentions um even though it did spawn sequels eventually but. well and one of the things i will give the sequel blood wings some credit for i mean you'd mentioned that it's it's um you know a the the summoner ends up being a a, a, a young a, a young person like a kid with with some uh issues mental challenges yeah um some cognitive challenges uh that's a, a bit of a spoiler here but that's not revealed right away the the movie is a little bit of a whodunit you know um which if you're you know that so that had some potential there to to do something and build upon this story where it's not just here's this person and you know this is what they're doing and summoning it that works great for this first movie in the sequel they don't just rehash it they do try to at least in the first sequel they do try to change it up a little bit and say okay well now Pumpkinhead's back he's killing everybody but we don't know who summoned them mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's kind of a nice little it's a twist. whodunit it is it's kind of a nice yeah, twist that's interesting yeah. whodunit let- you know, it adds like a something Scooby-Doo. a little different but again it, go, it falls back into the same thing about you know Okay, it becomes just a, a, a slasher. It becomes a slasher film, but with a big monster. Um, yeah. But so I guess we. And, we could, and if I had to pick it, pick apart Pumpkinhead, which I, I don't necessarily want to do, but that would be my one. Do it, Eric. This that just it doesn't feel like it pays off. I. It's not that it's a disappointing movie because it's not. It's a really good movie, but I feel like there's just so much more that could have been done with it. But yeah. Anyway. Well, let's just go ahead. What, what would you uh, grade this one as, Eric? Um, I think I would give this one a B. I think this is a B movie. It's it's so much of it is so good. Like it it's it's definitely worth it. It's like almost a modern classic. Like what I would call you know quintessential viewing for a horror fan. And and I would say it, it kind of is in a way. Um, it's just a little bit of a letdown that they don't develop a little more. Um, that it kind of devolves into a slasher movie there for a while. I I feel like it's got a middle section that doesn't quite carry. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great premise. It's, it's, it's a smart movie. It's got a really great monster. It's, um, yeah. One of Lance Hendrickson's best performances and I love Lance Hendrickson. So (laughs) So. what about you, Ryan, from what you remember and from us jogging your memory? Well, uh, I would actually have to agree with Eric's Mm -hmm. B level. Um, but for the same reason, I actually do think, that for more horror horror movie fans, uh, this is a this is actually one of those slasher films that you should watch because it actually has a deeper thing going on for it. Because it is a slasher. Yeah. It's part of that slasher '80s thing. That's cool. But it did try to do something more, and I uh, I give it props for doing so. Um, and just the the cast, and I thought it was actually pretty pretty fun from what I remember. Mainly the the leads. <laughs> um. And it's it adds like a nice cool for folklore element to something. It's not like oh hey Jason's back. Oh hey it's Freddy. It's not a character. It is you. Yeah. It can mm-hmm. easily be you. There's a message involved. It. No, it. Screw it. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it a B plus. 
See, I, I actually think that some of those those flaws, and I, I, I understand that perspective, um, but actually I'm going to go this one like an A-. Good uh, job. For, you for me, and, and that's just because I think those those issues, which not not disagreeing necessarily with those issues, but I think that uh, adds He wants to, to show it to his kids, so... Well, I do. Um, <laughs> I think, well, he I, wants to repeat his trauma. I, okay, first of all, the reason I want to show it to my kids is for the creature effects. And wait, man. Only reason. I'm just telling you, wait. wait. Trust me, I'm your gonna daughter's going to do great, but I'm don't do it too early. Wait. You might I'm scare wait, them. But yeah, the creature Teams effects. I, I really try to like hype to my kids like practical effects. Are, so if, if they remade this movie today, it would all be CGI and it would be terrible. Um, but I think because it's shit. such a simple little story with a very simple moral, um, it's it's a it's a, a heavy one, right? If you think about it, but it's it's pretty simple. It's a, a very self-contained film. Um, mm -hmm. I think for what they're doing with it, you're getting for me, it's enough. But yeah, I, I think it, it could it wouldn't hurt to have a little bit more development into some of this. Uh, so it's only like an A plus, but yeah, I'll give it an A minus. Just I, I love this kind of self-contained. This feels like, you know, you get these TV shows like I remember X Files did this and Super, you know, Supernatural and all these other kind of kind of horror sci-fi shows. They've got their Monster of the Week episodes and then the regular, you know, series to series narrative. This is a good Monster of the Week movie, and yeah. uh, for me, I, I like that simple, self-contained. It, it, this is what it is, and it's this is the, they tell the story that they mean to tell. Uh, most importantly, they do it in a pretty effective way, and they have an awesome creature design in it. I just keep going back to that. Yeah, it's a good one. I need to add it to my collection. I'm surprised they don't already have it. But well, we'd love to hear uh, from any of our listeners what they think of Pumpkinhead or the sequels. We really would. Drop us a line and let us know what you think. You can if find you us on Facebook at Video Junkier Podcast, the Facebook group, or our regular Facebook page. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or email us at VideoJunkierPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send, yeah. send us your reviews. Remember, if you uh, take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. We um, would look forward to hearing your uh, reviews or general feedback on anything. So. We Absolutely. also taste Pony Express. It's a new one. Uh, it's an old one. <laughs> it's an old but, one. Yeah, you can send us a I mean, telegram. good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Just please, whatever you do, don't get mad. and No carrier pigeons. God damn, the shit yeah. alone. But uh, we got a couple other cool things coming up here now that we're finishing up our Halloween series. And not so cool things. Yeah, next week we're going to be looking at the uh, Tales from the Crypt feature film. So we're talking about Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood, yes. so the 1990s feature films based on the HBO television series Tales from the Crypt. And beyond that, we have Space Camp and Real Genius. Um, we're going to look at a couple of lesser-known films by favorite filmmakers of ours, George A. Romero and uh, Wes Craven. Um, we have Flight of the Dragons. We have um, Something for Christmas. We gotta think about what we're gonna do for Christmas. If you guys got any ideas, send them in, please. Same same address and yeah. What should we do for a Christmas special this year? And also, we're gonna kind of um, jump into fairly modern modern era adaptations of of classic film serials and comic strips. Is that does that describe what we're doing? I think um, so. I don't okay. know. So that's a that, that's gonna be a, a, a lengthy uh, special um, later in the year and. Um, yeah, and plenty of great stuff beyond that. Um, we're going to definitely check out Barry Lyndon at some point. And um, 
Yeah. yeah. I Lots of exciting stuff coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast. I want to thank everybody, though, for tuning in. I hope everybody has had a happy Halloween. Get lots of candy. Scare some kids. Make an impact on their lives. Make, if, you know, if they're under 10, make them watch Pumpkinhead. Yeah, why not? Yes. Joe's all right happen. with it. See what would happen. Just project not that, up just project in that on your house. Room. Yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. They could be watching Mr. Boogity. But I want to thank everybody for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Have a happy Halloween. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. And I'm Ryan Pumpkinhead Stiescal. <laughs> Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs> <laughs>